Peace and welcome to another episode of Artistry, where art meets industry. We are your hosts, Rochelle Etienne Robinson and Stan Substantial Robinson. Season 3 of Artistry is powered by Words, Beats, and Life. Peace, peace, everyone. Peace, peace. And welcome to another episode of Artistry, where art meets industry. We are Rochelle Tin Robinson and Stan Substantial Robinson. Happy Monday, folks. Peace. Uh, we have a lot in store for you today. Um, nice. If you are joining us for the first time, welcome. If you are returning, welcome back. Uh, today's episode will be our season finale. Single thoughts here. <laughs> <laughs> we are closing out season three and we'll be back in 2023 mm -hmm. with even more goodness. Uh, we have a chock full of inspiring artists and their creative journey. So be sure to tune in for that. And and can I just add on yes. that? I'm excited to announce that our sponsor uh, of the season, uh, Words, Beats and Life, will be joining us. Uh, for our next season. Yeah. So they will continue to be supporting us on our journey with artistry. So thank you so much to them. All right. Yes. So today's episode will be again, like we've mentioned before, will be our season finale. Um, but before we get started, uh, a few announcements for those in the DMV area. We will be at Creative Suitland for their Art of Business Creative Industry Mixer. Absolutely. That will be on Saturday, September 24th at 2 p.m. So come and check us out. We have some information that we'd love to share with you all. Also, our next Sketch Pads event will be on Saturday, October 22nd. So be sure to be on the lookout for that. That will also be at Creative Suitland, yes. where we will be featuring um, two Suitland natives, yes. right? So mm -hmm. we'll be featuring MC and producer YU and visual artist Naturel. So be sure be to awesome. stay tuned for that and come check us out. Don't want to miss it. Yes. Now, tonight's episode, again, as I mentioned, is I'm our so season excited. finale. Um, all season long, we have been hard at work bringing you the best of the best in visual and performing artists um, and those who are in the art space. And today's episode is no different. Mm -hmm. um, we are so excited uh, for our next guest. Um, one would think with a career that spans both science and humanities, um, that those two things wouldn't necessarily go together, crossing industries like journalism, health and wellness, and PR. But when your purpose is service, right, and your goal is to make an impact on the ones on one's heart and mind, you have our next guest. Please welcome to one the one we call Gov Noir. <laughs> um, she is from Brooklyn. And because she's a boss, and so of course we have to represent. Please welcome to the show, Jelani Bendele. Jelani! <laughs> Hi, love. How are you? Wonderful, wonderful. Thank you. How are you doing? We are wonderful. Great. Thank we you so much wonderful. for joining us. Thank yes. you for being on the show. Thank you and for having me. Oh, absolutely. Of course. Are you kidding? Are you, of course. Right. I mean, music too. It's oh. great. Oh, oh, thank you. Thank it's you so much. Mood. Yeah, they. I appreciate you for appreciating that. You know, <laughs> you speak in his love language. You know, his love language is words, words of affirmation. affirmation. I'll so. take it. You know, thank you. Yes. Yeah. Well, again, welcome to the show. Um, as we, for those of you that are joining us for the first time, this show was birthed um, during the pandemic. Mm -hmm. um, we have. We are very blessed to have and be surrounded by 
artists and creatives of all kinds. Um, and we found that, you know, because we couldn't be in person in, in the same space, but we wanted to learn more about our friends and their, their, art, their creative journey. Absolutely. Um, you know, it's amazing how you could be around people all the time and yet really not know them. Yeah. And so that's how this all came to be. And, and it's also a great opportunity because um, a lot of folks know that we, we do a lot of work um, with uh, creative entrepreneurs and we're always telling people stuff, but we're always bragging about our friends and the different people we meet. And so this this podcast has been a great opportunity to share people's stories and let them hear from all of the people that um, all of the energy that we've been blessed to keep around us over the years. And so, uh, yeah, so let's uh, let's jump into it. So we're going to get right into it. So first and foremost, Johnny, um, in these past two years in living with the pandemic, how have you been? I've been great. <laughs> I've been great. I've done a lot of relaxing. I caught up on a lot of reading and got really seriously reacquainted with napping. So, yes. <laughs> so, so underrated. Yeah, it's, it really is. And it, it's just been great to be able to sit still, to mm -hmm. think about how you want to move forward, to... Um, not spending time with people in person, but taking the opportunity to spend time with them via Zoom or, mm -hmm. or making some telephone calls instead of texting. Yeah. So um, it's it's been a great time. It's been a great yeah. time for me. You know, I miss. I like partying, and um, mm -hmm. I miss. I miss that. I miss really being able to be close to friends at some point within that all of that crazy. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, you figure it out. Yeah. Well, as we mentioned before, you know, you are born and bred Brooklyn girl. Yes, indeed. Um, raised in Williamsburg, uh, spent some time, you know, lived in Bed-Stuy. You know, of course, in New York, having lived in Brooklyn ourselves, mm -hmm. you know, there's no other place one would rather be. What <laughs> was life growing up for you in Brooklyn? Good. <laughs> <laughs> you said I, um, I was actually born in Bed-Stuy. Mm. Um, spent some early years in Williamsburg and then moved to Clinton Hill and Fort Greene, which is where I did most of my growing up. A mm. um, lot of fun, a lot of friends in both places. You know, it was very different then it, than it is now because now mm. kids are primarily inside playing video games, that sort of thing. But we were always out in the street and making up stuff when we ran out of real things to do. <laughs> you know, start making things and take a cardboard box, break it, slide down the stairs on it. Yeah. Um, you know, whatever whatever you needed to do. Um, and it, it was great. It was a fun time. Um, I was a bit different than a lot of other children because I love to read. And I learned to read when I was three years old. So I would always had a book. And some of my friends t still tease me now, those who were around me when I was like 13, 14. And they say, we'd all be outside. She'd hang with us for a little while. And then she'd sit down and read a book. And it's just what I've always liked to do. You could go travel all over the world in a book. Mm -hmm. you, can, you can learn other languages through reading. There's You learn a lot about other people through reading. And so it's just been something I've always liked to do. And I did a lot of it as a child. And Those, look at that. Who are these beautiful people? Lovely parents. <laughs> I, uh, I thank them immensely for who I am today. 
They allowed me an abundance of freedom. I mean, freedom of speech, freedom to think differently. Um, and they were interested in the things that I wanted. So I, you know, grew up my beginning with arts and music and all that really began with them because on Saturday morning when we had chores, as do most of my um, friends, we would be listening. My parents would play a lot of really great music. So I grew up listening to great jazz, great R&B, and those things really stuck with me and impacted my later life. Um, when I decided I wanted to play piano one day in the house, my mother was playing Ahmed Jamal album. Mm. And I was hearing it, but once he started playing Poinciana, I was done. Mm. And I was like, I want to play the piano. I want to play the piano. So she told my father, he said, fine. They bought me a piano. They found me a music teacher. And I played for a while. Then I got past that phase. Then I studied dance. They went for it. Um, so they were a big influence and really helped me move my life forward in a really good direction. Uh, some of that freedom, my mother said later in life, she, they thought many times about taking it away, but um, I, I managed to do okay with it. And um, just looking back as a kid, I always had a storytelling spirit. And in my teens, I began to notice that other people were often telling me their stories. And um, I guess that has led me to where I am right now. And I love this photo of you. Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> it's beautiful. Oh, look at that little girl. Look at her. <laughs> she looks so nice, right? <laughs> She's so amazing. Nice, like a little angel. <laughs> only new <laughs> <laughs> right right yeah oh my goodness I cut to my son always says that's his favorite photograph of me yeah yeah, yeah like because it. you could see the mischievousness you know right. behind those eyes like yeah like, who, who who me who <laughs> me me no the story that i was told was that my mother took me to the studio and I was looking around, I said, what are we going to do? And the photographer said, I'm going to take your picture. And I said, where? And he pointed to the seat and I just jumped in the seat and hit that pose. Yeah. So I guess I was always ready for a camera. <laughs> and we'll that. talk about that because yes, we have some, we have some more um, great photos of you um, that we'll share in a minute. Okay. Um, Upon graduating from FIT, and we're fast forward a little bit, mm -hmm. um, you obtained a degree in advertising and communications. Um, you went on to work in publications as an editor and writer. Mm -hmm. Tell us about that whole experience. Like, how did you decide on FIT? We, we can see how the transition from wanting, you know, being an avid reader to wanting to go into writing, that seems like a very natural progression. So tell us about that whole path. Sure. I um, I knew I wanted to write. I actually wanted to write advertising copy. I don't know where that came from. I don't know if it just came from always reading magazines, um, watching television commercials. I have no idea. But that's what I decided that I wanted to do, which was why I made majored in advertising communications. Mm -hmm. But I love fashion. Mm -hmm. So I thought, well, if I can go to a fashion school, 
and still and have this same learning experience, then it's a win-win. So that's how I end up choosing FIT. Uh, after graduation, those of you who live in New York and specifically Brooklyn will know this publication I'm going to name. It's my first job after graduation was as the entertainment editor for Big Red Newspaper. And um, I worked there, I can't even remember anymore, maybe two years. And then I went to work at Billboard. And I worked at Billboard for several years, wrote concert reviews, wrote articles about performance venues and that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. And where did I go from there? Oh my goodness. From there, I went to Fairchild. And... um, I just kept going from one level of publishing to another or one different kind of publishing to another. And I went to Fairchild, most of you know, who publishes Women's Wear Daily. I worked for um, the Home Furnishings magazine and I wrote a column uh, on textiles. And on a few occasions, I styled the cover of the magazine. So I got a a wide, uh, a breadth of experience going from music to home furnishings. And then I went back to music again at another uh, small magazine called The City. It came out, it was similar to New York Magazine, but it was small, it could fit right in your pocket. And I went to work for them as their entertainment editor. Wow. So that was all the writing, writing, writing. And then PR snuck in. (laughs) Wow. So you do all that, um, then you do PR, but then you went on to study, um, at some point you went on to study clinical nutrition and then went to direct the cardiovascular perfusion program at Downstate. So why the change and like, uh, was there like a defining moment? Like what motivated you? Because that's a major career shift. It's interesting you asked and it was a very defining moment. PR slipped in a little bit in there before the medical piece. Mm-hmm. When I worked at the City Magazine, we had um, we had all different writers for each section of the publication. And so there was an art section and it was a woman who wrote that uh, part of the book. And she's very quiet, never said much more than hello, whatever, when she came in. And eventually the magazine folded and we had a big party and she walked up to me and she said, I'd like to talk to you. And I said, okay. And we had a couple, went to the side and had a conversation. And she said, uh, I'm, she was an art consultant for people who bought art for big, big bucks. And she said she was forming a business with another person who was a consultant, but only did photography and they needed a publicist and would I be interested? Wow. And I, I was shocked right. <laughs> because she never really talked that much or anything, but she said that she'd always watched me. She liked the way I work and she thought that I would be great. And I said, absolutely. And so that's how I entered the publicity, public relations field, working with wow. her. And we work with some of the biggest artists in the world. I was amazed at sometimes the homes that I found myself in, uh, the people I found myself talking with on the telephone, but it was a wonderful experience. And then I 
I had been thinking while I was at Fairchild, I would go to these, I go to great parties. I mean, the Billboard Music Awards was in New York at that mm-hmm. time. So I got to go to all the shows. Um, and it was just a lot of fun. And one day I said, I'm having a really good time, but there's nothing socially redeeming about what I'm doing. I'm not really helping anyone. And I'd always been really good at math and science. And at one time had really want, wanted to become a doctor. And so I'd gone to a big event um, in the Temple of Dindur Museum, and it was fabulous. And, and that day when I came back, I decided enough of the fabulosity, I'm going to go do my medicine. And mm-hmm. that's how I made the change. And I, um, and I said, I had to think about, okay, if I'm going to go to medical school, I have to have a certain amount of math and science in order to get in. So I had to choose a major that would give me that. And I looked around, looked around, looked around, and Pratt never entered my mind because it's an art and design school. Mm-hmm. And then one day I just decided, let me walk over here and pick up um catalog and see. And when I went through the catalog, I saw that it had every, it had more math and science than I would actually need to get into medical school. Wow. I said, okay, this is a winner. It's close to home. Um, I don't have to get on the subway or a bus. I'm, I'm going to apply. I applied and I got in and I studied clinical nutrition, which wow. a lot of people are still shocked because they say, I didn't even know Pratt taught that. Right. right. <laughs> we, we had a whole conversation about that. Yeah. And not only did they teach it, I got the most wonderful education. My education at Pratt in that major led to the next two degrees and made it really easy for me to move from one to the other because the, the chair of that department was fabulous. The teachers that we had were really, really good. Um, my math teacher when I was at Pratt's is still there. Wow. Wow. That's amazing. Seven, and she's still there. Uh, it, it was, I got a really good education. That's something I'll never be able to complain about. Wow. And I got my master's degree in exercise physiology mm-hmm. because my professor at Pratt was a cardiologist. And he, he, we would talk and he said, so what, you know, he asked me, what are your plans when you finish? And I said, you know, I'll probably just get a job as a nutritionist. And he said, well, you know, I'm thinking about something else. I said, what do you mean you're thinking about something else? (laughs) (laughs) I, you know, I chair the cardiovascular, um, I'm sorry, the exercise physiology program um, at LIU. Why don't you apply? And I did. And through his assistance and my fabulous grades at Pratt, I got a full scholarship. So I got my master's degree for free. What? Good thing, isn't it it beautiful? That's amazing. (laughs) Oh, Lord, for all those of us who are still paying them loans. (laughs) (laughs) God bless you. Wow. That's amazing. And so I went uh, on and did that. It was really great. It was a good experience because I got to work with the basketball team and um and that's the, a win. Yeah, that was a real win. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
And then we also were working with the, uh, the school had a relationship with the Special Olympics. So mm -hmm. myself and all the guys on the basketball team, we worked with the kids for the Special Olympics, which was really awesome. Yeah, that was really fulfilling. And it was fulfilling to see them on the days of the event to actually see, you know, these guys on the basketball team out there doing really heartfelt work with the kids. It was great. It was great. Yeah. yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. And then other things came in before the cardiovascular perfusion, which you all seem to be so excited about. Right. Because I'm just <laughs> sure. like amazed by that. I'm like, wow. Like, so I, first of all, what is cardiovascular perfusion? Okay. So, the perfusionist is the person who maintains the patient's heart and lung function while they're under anesthesia. Wow. Because obviously a beating heart, beating at its regular rate would be a bit difficult to operate on. Right. Mm -hmm. so the surgeon has to do some certain things and the perfusionist has to do some certain things to make that possible. And- wow. One day, again, I tell you, I'm crazy. I'm looking in the newspaper and I see this because I'm feeling now I want to do something more. Mm -hmm. And I'm looking through the newspaper and I see an ad for cardiovascular perfusion. Like, what is that? So I started to read about it and I, um, I called and I talked to the director and she asked me a bit about my background and I told her and you know what degrees I had. And she said, oh, you're perfect, but we're only going to accept eight people. So I said, okay, I'm applying. And I applied and I was one of the eight, and they actually only accepted six and I was one of the six. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And it was scary and interesting at the same time. <laughs> yeah, right. So much of what you said has been applause worthy, you know. So it, this whole Jelani episode has just lives. been, yeah, you know. She out here saving lives, yeah. <laughs> like for real. Yeah, it, oh, that is amazing. Very interesting. A lot of training involved. Um, I trained at a hospital in Long Island. I trained at a hospital in Jersey. I trained at Philadelphia Children's Hospital because you have to learn how to perfuse babies, mm -hmm. and. Um, it was great. It was great. Yeah. You know, this whole segment of your story is so inspiring because I think for so many of us and for our listeners and for our viewers, where you, you know, oftentimes you might, where you start doesn't mm -hmm. necessarily have to be where you end up, you yeah. know? And mm -hmm. I think a lot of folks think that, you know, well, I'm a lawyer. I can't, you know, be a sculptor. I'm this, I can't, you know, I can't go back and do that. And here right. you are, prime example of someone that yes, you can. Doing whatever you want to do. Yeah, absolutely. You you really, really can. Mm -hmm. It we we all know there are several things that get in the way of that. Right. Absolutely. absolutely. You know, your parents may already have dreams for you that they mm -hmm. wish you to follow. Um sometimes life just gets in the way mm -hmm. and you kind of throw your dreams to the side. But you really can do if you make a decision then you find out the most difficult part, and it's one of the reasons that I do the legacy work that I do, is finding someone else that has done it. Mm. That's yeah. the difficult part. Because once you've done that, then you can believe that you can do it. Mm -hmm. 
before that it's it's rather difficult if there's yeah. no example uh, that's why we have to be seen. That's why I love what you're doing because you're allowing people to be seen who are doing different things and others who are watching can say, well, then I can do that too. You know, yes. it's what I'm doing with Tell Legacy. I have a friend, Sharon Pendana, Pendana who uh, has a website called The Trove. She's doing the same thing. And there are others as well. And I think the more our stories are out there, the more little children who look like us will then say, oh, I can do that too. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's, Absolutely. You know, time is involved and you have to make some decisions. I mean, when I went to go to Pratt, I had to go to school for another four years, Yeah, mm -hmm. which, you know, people thought I was crazy. And, um, you know, you're going to go to school for a whole nother four years, but you, you do it. If you want something, you do what needs to be done. Absolutely. 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 Yeah, I, um, this made me think of last week. Um, so I teach um, the the organization who actually sponsors our podcast. I actually um, teach music business classes with them as well. And um, this young man in my class, he's uh, 11 years old. And um, I asked him what he wanted to do when he's older. Um, and he shared, you know, multiple things. And I remember being like that when I was younger. You know, I wanted I want to play football. I want to do this. I want to do that. Right. I want to do all of these things. And so the young man said he wanted to be an engineer. He wanted to play football and he also wants to rap. And, you know, and I told him, I was like, look, I'm pretty sure there's adults in your life that that may tell you you got to choose. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm going to go out on a limb and tell you you don't. Right. You can do you can do all of that. You know, there's a Hall of Fame football player that played for the Minnesota Vikings who's one of the highest uh, sitting judges in uh, Minnesota right now. And this guy, while he was playing on the field, would come out and literally study to get his law degree in between plays, right? Like, he wanted to do it. He gave, he put uh, invested the time, and he did it. And so, um, you know, we we try to celebrate. We call we call folks blacks of uh, black of all trades, right? You know, yeah, like our our, our Renaissance folks, our Harlem Renaissance, you know, descendants of those those folks who, whatever it is they loved and were passionate about, they they wanted to do and they did it. And um, and so you're definitely uh, carrying on that lineage. Lineage, it's a, it's amazing to hear your journey. Thank you. You know, we can always change our mind. Yeah. Right. We can always change our mind. You may feel, be feeling very much like this at one moment and very much like something else at the other. You change your mind and then you go mm -hmm. for what it is you want. Because uh, you, you do know that then I switch back to something else again. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and we're going <laughs> to get into that. Absolutely. <laughs> so, oh. uh, but, <laughs> but yeah. So so real quick, uh, I think we're going to get ready to take a quick uh, commercial break and then we're going to come back with more of your amazing story. Mm -hmm. So everybody just hold tight. Give us a quick minute. Uh, let us pay some bills um, and yeah, stick around for more Jelani. All right. And we're going to hit that pause button once again. <laughs> <laughs> all right. And we'll be right back, folks. My name is Kalia and I teach the DJ course here at Words, Beats and Life. Well, I started DJing around 19, 20 years old. It actually helped me um, with my social skills. I, I felt like it was way easier for me to make friends. I also was able to learn from different cultures while DJing. 
I enjoyed teaching people the difference between uh, house music and drummer bass. What I hope people get out of DJing is uh, a sense of confidence. I would say for myself personally, as I started getting out there on my own, I built up a little confidence in myself and I learned how to have fun a lot more and also project myself without actually saying anything. That's why I'm with Words, Beats, and Life. Enroll in the DJ class today at wblinc.org slash academy. I love that part. Oh, I love that yes. part. <laughs> Thank you so much uh, again to our sponsor, Words, Beats, and Life. Um, continuing to do amazing work in the community here in the DMV area, D.C., Maryland, and Virginia area. Um, and also globally. Um, they've done this uh, this work with hip-hop education um, like in places like Uganda, uh, Brazil, France. So shout out to them. Uh, thank you so much for uh, continuing to sponsor our, our, our little show, our, the, little the show, show that, that could. could, you know? <laughs> All right. But we're back with more of the amazing Jelani. And I told you I was going to hit that applause button again. Um, yes. So let's get into this next, um, are we no we're not doing rapid fire yet no no no, no, no. we're saving that for later we'll yeah, come so back we have some fun things All right. so as we had we when we left we were talking about um cardiovascular perfusion um and and leading that program but you know you 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 had an itch it was a time for a change time for a transition so what happened next jelani <laughs> oh, i don't know <laughs> <laughs> I, um, this one, I can't remember an exact moment for, mm -hmm. um, I just, I, I lived in Clinton Hill that, that kind of speaks for itself and the amount of talent, uh, and excitement that existed there at, at this particular period of time. Um, I was spending a lot of time with designers, makeup artists, hairstylists, all that sort of thing. But I was also noticing that they weren't getting the same kind of shine that a lot of other um, others were getting that were in the same business. And I was like, well, they need some publicity and they need some promotion. And that's something I know how to do. So I'm going to start a PR company. And that's kind of how it happened. But again, it's another form of telling other people's stories, mm -hmm. right? Because I have to write a press release. I have to talk to editors and producers and convince them why it's a great idea to have my client on their show or featured in their publication. So it's telling people's stories once again. I mean, even the nutrition part was that because as a clinical nutrition sitting with the, a patient, I'm asking them their history. So it's all storytelling and going back to what we were saying earlier about doing these different things and they, they sound to someone like they're disconnected, but they really aren't. They're very much connected because if yeah. we went through all of my life, it's all storytelling. And so when I decided to do that and I just did it and I, I knew I wanted to focus on the things that I enjoy. So it was going to be fashion, beauty, entertainment, uh, and art. And that was it. And then the next thing you know, I had a bunch of clients and they were in newspapers and magazines and on television. And it was a beautiful thing. 
in between there somewhere, I don't know, the music industry saw me. And so I began to do a lot of different work with labels like RCA, Universal Music, Warner Brothers, BMG. Um, and I did some work with BET as well. Um, and so then you start to meet other people. And again, as I said, I was in Clinton Hill, Fort Greene, happening uh, neighborhoods, a lot going on, a lot of people. They're doing some magnificent things. And so you meet people. And one day I met these two um, women and they, they were documentary filmmakers and they were having an anniversary event. They needed some help. I was able to give them some names, numbers to call for an event that they were having. And they said everybody that they called and said that I recommend them said, okay, we'll help you. And so they had their event and I actually never met them until I went to the event. And so we started talking about the different things we were doing and they said, well, let's join forces. So that's that's us in that image, the three right. of us. And actually, do you know where we're sitting? It looks like Pratt. Pratt, right. Yeah, we're yep, sitting the in the main building. <laughs> yeah. Wow. On the left, that's Jordan Anderson. Uh, in the middle, Cialito Pascal and me. And so we formed a company called L Empire. And um, we started doing some documentary filming. And we actually did a... Um, a documentary called Crazed the Belly Dance. And it was featured on, remember that channel that um, Al Gore had? Oh gosh, I can't remember. There was a channel that he had started and um, they had a, a competition. It was really you upload your uh, film and then all the viewers vote on it. And ours was chosen to be featured on the show. So we're really happy and excited about that. And it was fun, you know, going all around Brooklyn and the city, interviewing different belly dancers, belly dance troops. So that was great. And then we came up with a way to promote businesses in Clinton Hill and Fort Greene. And so we created this um, initiative called Easy Fort Greene. And we, um, when the store signed up, we went in, filmed them, and then created the series of videos that were shown on a website that helped promote the businesses in the neighborhood. Wow. So yeah, that was a lot of fun. And Johnny, I'm when did you sleep? I know. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I know. It's crazy. It's um oh God, there's a current TV. You asked me that and I think about one time about two o'clock in the morning, I was at um at a photocopy place, you know, because you always got to get stuff done and and get it out. And I was there getting some stuff done for clients. And I met this young man. I was kind of, you know, I wasn't ear hustling. I was eye hustling mm -hmm. and looking at what he was printing. And I saw that it was music related. So I started to talk with him. And um, his name was Anthony. And turned out that he had he was the one one of the people who started Lyricist Lounge. I don't know if you're familiar mm, with that. Yeah. Oh, OK. Yeah. I've and met Anthony so, a few times. Yeah. And so we talked and exchanged numbers and everything, kind of stayed in touch. And you meet interesting people two o'clock in the morning. <laughs> Truth. <laughs> you really do. Mm -hmm. And um, so that, you know, that was really interesting. Just all those kinds of things when you're 
doing all of this different kind of work, you meet some really interesting people. Oh, we'll get to that in a minute. Yes, 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 yes. please. <laughs> yeah, questions, so many questions. <laughs> And as I said, in, in Clinton Hill and Fort Greene, there were so many um, talented and interesting people. One being um, Shaka King, menswear designer. Shaka's mm-hmm. also a Pratt alumni. And Brenda Brunson Bay, fabulous uh, designer. And they decided to start this organization called the uh, Black Fashion Collective. And so um, I joined and um, with a lot of other designers and it was great. We had a great time. We did a lot of events in different places. Um, did some fundraising through it all. We vend at um, BAM, went for Dance Africa, things wow. like that. So really fun stuff. And then I started getting board member requests. And um, Thelma Hill Performing Arts Center a wonderful organization. Um, you can learn a little bit about it if you go to telllegacy.com because I featured uh, Alex Smith who um, literally saved the organization. And um, so I joined their advisory board and then Gwendolyn Quinn, fantastic, fantastic publicist who also lived in the neighborhood and um, she started an organization, uh, African-American Public Relations Collective. And there were over a thousand um, black publicists in that organization. And um, we got a lot of things done as well. Um, and then I had a call one day from a young lady named Audra Washington. And she said to me, um, I don't even remember how Audra got my name. And they had an organization called Sister Friends African-American Women in Entertainment. And she wanted to know if I would be on their board. And I, you know, I asked my usual questions, how many meetings do I have to come to? That sort of thing. Because I don't want to commit if I'm not going to be committed. Right. Right. You know, it doesn't make sense. And so um, she told me and I went to a meeting and met them. And after that, and I think we have an image of Sister Friends as well. And um, went to the meeting, and all of us are still friends till this day. It's and actually the image that you have yeah. of yeah. us was taken in Fort Greene inside LIU, the old Paramount Theater, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and um, that was t- that image was taken there. Um, who wow. I'm tired. <laughs> <laughs> Now, <laughs> it's, it's a lot. Sometimes when people ask me, well, tell me a little bit, you know, about yourself and your background. I said, well, how much time do you have? Yeah. Because this yeah. is a big story. But I'm I'm a big believer in living wide mm-hmm. because we, a path is kind of given to us when we're, you know, you're going to, you're born, you're going to have your childhood, your adolescence, your teen years. Um, you're going to go to college or or um, or trade school or something. You're going to learn something. You're going to get a job. And then that's kind of it. You know, you're going to get a job and you're going to do that for 30 years. You retire and then you're going to die. Well, that's not interesting to me. There's got to be a whole lot of other stuff in there. And living wide means you need to travel. You need to have a lot of different kinds of friends. 
You need to eat a lot of different kinds of food. You have to try different kinds of things. And so that, you know, by the time the end is here, you're all worn out. That's the idea. At least for me, that's the idea. I want to be fully worn out. So, you know, just talking about this, and I had to make some notes for myself because I can't remember everything. Right. Yeah, it's much. And I think that's the case with most of us. And and that's one of the reasons why I talk to people so much about documenting their lives, mm-hmm. whether you do it in the way that you all are doing it, uh, you do it on a website such as mine or as the Trove, you do it um, in a video, whatever, but mm-hmm. document it. Absolutely. Because you're going to need reminding as well. Yeah. You Absolutely. really are. And so it's been a lot. Yeah, yeah. I wanted to ask all these boards and everything. And then sometimes in the 90s, I started publishing. I published a newsletter called Overground. um, And it highlighted the industries that I was representing. And then there was, I'd gone to the city one day. I like this story. I was going to the city (laughs) one day in the garment district. And you know, sometimes like in areas, sometimes in hotel lobbies or whatever, you see magazine, you can pick them up. And I picked mm-hmm. up this glossy magazine. It was pretty thick. And it was called The Fashion Manuscript. And I started going through it. And there were articles about different people, designers, uh, textile artists, those kinds of things. Like, this is really good, but something is missing. Mm-hmm. So I wrote a letter to the publisher and um, said, there's no, in, there's no discussion of Black people here. Mm-hmm. And that's a big part of the fashion industry. So I'd like to write a column for your publication. And here's my background. He called me and said, you're in. And I wrote a column for the fashion manuscript, I guess maybe about three or four years. I wrote a column and I featured black designers. That's amazing. You got to make a job for yourself sometimes. Yes, (laughs) absolutely. Right? Absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. And this is is a story that needs to be told because, you know, and rightfully so, folks are are being more vocal about the lack of diversity, the lack of inclusion of of people of color, particularly black people in the fashion industry. Mm -hmm. But folks also forget to, to talk about the people who have been doing and you know continue to do things and so yeah that's a story that definitely needs to be yeah. shared and told and, and and it's it's in everything it's in fashion it's in music mm-hmm. a couple of years ago the story um the new edition movie came out mm-hmm. and i was watching it and something was troubling me but i couldn't quite put my finger on it and um writer michael gonzalez posted on facebook he said, I'm, I'm enjoying the uh, show, but clearly I'm not understanding why Juanita Steffens is missing. And, it, and I said, that's what I was feeling. Juanita is a friend, um, publicist that I've known for many, many years, done a lot of work with. And so it led me to write a piece for Tell Legacy, starting with her and Michael Gonzalez saying that. But then I listed a large number, because not all, but a large number of the Black publicists that I knew that were working in the music industry and were who extraordinarily instrumental 
in the careers of some of the biggest stars during that time. And so again, you can get left out of stories. We have to make sure that people get put back in. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And so I wrote about her. Jacqueline Reinhardt is another one. Um, Derek Thompson that worked at BMG. I mean, there's there's so many people I could just go on and on and on and on that a large part of the um, general public does not know. And it's important, I think, for younger people to know about because they're alive. Yeah. yeah they're alive. They, there's the opportunity for them to be mentors and them, us, you know, for us to be mentors, for us to show people the way. Uh, or even just provide some information that they may need us at a specific moment in time. But if no one knows about us, then it can't happen. Yeah. You know, you, you mentioned um, how you've written for columns, you've written stories, but Mm -hmm. you're also an an established author. Uh, You've written several books and have collaborated with and continue to work for some notable creatives. Um, what would you say has been some of the most memorable moments during that period? And we have some some books that we're going mm-hmm. to show okay. that you've worked on. <laughs> well, around 2013, my most of my friends were probably trying to hide from me without letting me know because I was ready <laughs> to write a book. You have to write a book. You have to tell your story. Every people have to know that this is going on and that you've done this and so on and so forth. And I was like, I got to stop this foolishness bothering people. And that's kind of when the time Tell Legacy started to come to me. And I said, well, let me just start telling other people's stories. And then in 2015, Susan Moses, fabulous, fantastic fashion expert, celebrity fashion stylist, um, came to me and said she had a book deal. And if I would uh, co-write the book with her. And I said, absolutely. I was thrilled to be asked. Um, I loved what she was doing because she wasn't doing something that was in the, that should be in the mainstream, but isn't in the mainstream a little bit more now. And I was like, this is going to be really exciting. I'm going to learn a lot more in working with her on this project. And so we wrote the art of dressing curves, had a ton of fun doing it, falling out laughing because she's crazy just like me. And so <laughs> we had a lot of fun. We carried on, uh, we, but we worked hard. And um, I'm just so pleased and excited to have my name attached to that book because um, she knows what she's doing. Mm-hmm. And I was happy to work with her on it. Me with my crazy self, again, in the same year, that um, the art of dressing curves came out in April, and Tunstall from fashion to fine art came out in August. So I was writing two books at the same time, and um, <laughs> it wow. and that was and writing with with Glenn was a fantastic experience. Um, Glenn is the first black. Uh, fashion illustrator for Women's Wear Daily. So, in, Rachel, you studied fashion. Mm-hmm. So when you were looking at women's wear and things like that, probably growing, you were looking at his work. Uh, years before that, he would the work always because they before they started using photography mm-hmm. more than illustration, 
his work was in the New York Times every Sunday, um, Washington Post, a lot of other, you know, newspapers, large newspapers around this uh, larger cities. And um, it was a lot for both books. It was a lot of research involved. Fortunately, both of them had been in the industries for so long and um, and had a respect for the history of those industries. And so they had a lot of research already. Um, I obviously had to do some additional, but I learned so much in working on those two projects. Wow. It was wonderful. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. Now you had mentioned um, your organization, Tell Legacy. Mm-hmm. Um, tell us about how that came to be. Came to be. I know you talk about um, you uh, wanting to share stories of the people who are still here, yes. focusing on the, the the survivors and not necessarily those who have passed on. So yeah. let's talk about that. Yeah, and people, as I said, who already have created some history but are still building. Mm-hmm. It's um, and so I was thinking about how can I do it, and I thought about it for a few years you know, before I actually did it. So how can I do this? Should I do a podcast? Should I, should I do a website? Because I like to write website one. And so I decided to do the website, but because I have so many other things going on, it wasn't really consistent. Mm-hmm. It was when I could write something. Um, so one of the things that I'm working on now is creating a consistent schedule so that it's happening all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I just start talking to people and I start, I'm always listening. You know, sometimes I'm at a party, I'm not talking because I'm listening to other people's conversations. I'm, or I could be at a concert or anything, but I'm listening to what's going on around me. I'm looking at what other people are doing and, um, or who other people are talking about and saying, oh, this person is really interesting. It's one of the things I love about social media because we get to see a lot of interesting people that we don't know. And so I've reached out to some of them. And so they're on the list for me to do pieces on and growing, growing, growing. And um, I'm gonna do some Tell Legacy merch because you know, you gotta have that merch, right? You have to have that Mm -hmm. merch. Absolutely. (laughs) Tell Legacy merch. And um, I work with the songwriter, for a very long time and um, who has some fantastic music. So I'm um, hoping there's some other things I wanna do that may be more podcasty or documentary type things. And I certainly want to use his music. You will probably be familiar with him, Stan. His name is Jay Phoenix. And he actually um, was one of the writers on Tupac Shakur's Thug's Mansion. And, uh, and that's okay. him in the video actually performing. Yeah. yeah. Wow. So we, um, you know, I want to find a way to bring his music into what I'm doing. It's, I'm always looking to bring my, my friends, associates, colleagues into mm-hmm. the fold as well, mm-hmm. because all of you have a story to tell. Because you know yeah. I'm going to be telling your story. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> you all have a story to tell. So... You know, that's the kind of thing I'm working on. And there, there's a, a couple of books in me that I need to get out. So I'm going to start working on those as well. And and I work with other people on their books. I don't always write them. Um, my friend Joe Steele 
has a wonderful story to tell. And um, a book was written by Lisa Jones Gentry called um, Forbidden Love. And that uh, I think you have that image as well. And um, it's a very interesting story. It's about he went in search of his birth parents because he was adopted and found that his birth father was a priest and his birth mother was a nun. And mm. so his production editor on that book with him. And then uh, just re most recently, um, a woman who travels all over the world, she's a self-taught artist, and she travels all over the world and paints. And so I worked on production with her for her book. And um, it's just, it's fun. It's exciting to just cover other people's journeys with them. Yeah. That's, and that's what I'm doing. And that's, that's part of my legacy work. And I also consider the work that I do at Pratt, um, for those who are watching and don't know, I manage the Black Alumni of Pratt. It's a organization, fantastic affinity group started by um, several Black and Latinx alumni 31 years ago. Um, it supports Black and Latinx students through scholarships, stipends, programming, and a whole bunch of other things. And I considered that legacy work as well. I was active with BAP before I ever came to work at Pratt. And when I was asked to come and do this job, I felt like that's part of my legacy work as well. Yeah. To, it's a wonderful organization. It's growing. Um, it has, you know, we have co-presidents and an advisory board. And um, and our co-presidents are both um, Pratt graduates. Um, Gary Brown, who was, a, I believe Gary majored in merchant, fashion merchandising and Darius in architecture. And so it's wonderful, and, and that's that's part of their legacy, that's part of my legacy, and it's part of yours as well. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Oh. I wanted to ask you, so uh, because a little while ago you were you were talking about some of the reasons why um, why you like social media, um, I think it was Instagram in particular, mm -hmm. um, like with how the industry has changed over the years, because obviously all of these industries are always evolving. Um, you know, what are, what has been some of the most interesting things um, in terms of the changes with technology um, and how they've affected the work that you do? Oh, they help. They help. I love social media. Um, mm -hmm. I like the foolishness that goes on. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> it's a good way to have a lot of fun without leaving your house. Uh, <laughs> I love it. I think it, with Facebook, because that was the first thing I actually participated in. Mm -hmm. And I found it to be a wonderful way to keep in touch with people who have moved away, who, um, you know, your friends that you may have had in high school that you lost touch with. Yep. Mm -hmm. so really great. I think social media is like every other piece of technology that we've had. Mm -hmm. People use it the way they are. Mm -hmm. So they're no different if you met them in person than if the way they act on social media. So, mm -hmm. you know, if people talk real loud on their telephone at home, they probably talk real loud on their cell phone. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so there's no need to get upset about these things. You pick and choose what you want to put your attention on, and then that's what you do. 
And so I really like it. I think it's it's opened up a lot of doors for us. I think it's also allowed um, musicians to be able to get their music out there, writers to be able to get their writings out there, artists to be able to get their art out there in a way that they didn't have access to before. Before, you know, maybe if I wanted to start my PR firm right now, it wouldn't be as successful as that because nobody really needs me. They could just put everything up, you know, on social media. Um, it's It changes the game, but it changes, the, I think it changed the game in a good way. I like it. Yeah, yeah and I think it gives us all the opportunity to do things differently. And, and that's the key point. Awesome. awesome. Well, this is the where we transition. Yes. Um, we're going to go into, we have five rapid fire questions for Uh-oh. you. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I got to get the sound effect for, for next season. <laughs> so, um, but it's it's really cool. Nothing too serious. It's, mm-hmm. This is the fun part. So I have five questions for you um, and you just come up with the first answer that comes to your head. And some are focused on your journey. Others are random. You might not want to do that. <laughs> <laughs> if you have, okay, editor, if you have to edit yourself, <laughs> that's, that's fine. <laughs> okay, let's go. All right. So the first, you know, going back, talking about your career as a nutritionist and very much in the health and wellness space, um, for you personally, do you prefer yoga, Pilates, or cardio? Cardio. Okay. All right. Okay. All right, and this is because you you are a Brooklynite, so we gotta ask, uh, we because we still come up to Brooklyn a couple times a mm-hmm. year. So, best restaurant in Brooklyn? I don't know, <laughs> and I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why I say that. Mm-hmm. I spend a lot of time outside of Brooklyn on weekends, and weekends mm-hmm. is. I would go to a restaurant or whatever. So that's mm-hmm. one thing. Second thing is once COVID came, mm-hmm. we're going that. out anymore. A lot of new places opened. Yeah. And but I haven't been to them yet. So mm-hmm. that one's a little tricky. See if you had to ask me that 20, 30 years. And so, and so that's what I was gonna I was gonna pivot, right? So so let me let me change it up for you then, because um, because I love what you said about you meet like you would meet interesting people at two o'clock in the morning. Right. Because <laughs> as as a performer, I can relate to that so much. Um, so I, I feel like you also when you go out that late and you're out that late all the time, you, you, ha- you have your go to spots like, you know, what spots going to be open. You know, they got pretty good stuff for two o'clock in the morning. Right. So. Uh, did you have her favorite place like that back in the day? I didn't have a favorite place for two o'clock in the morning, but I had <laughs> two favorite places to eat. One was two mm. steps down, mm. and the other was the Green Avenue Grill. Okay, it was ooh. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> we miss Mike's. Remember Mike's? Mike's, 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 Mike's is still there. That's a yeah. good. I grew up with Mike's children. Oh wow! Oh wow! Yeah. Wow. Yeah, we used to frequent mics all the time. Ever. Yep. That's okay. amazing. Next question. Next question. Gotcha. Um, which do you prefer? Do you prefer writing fiction or nonfiction? Nonfiction. Okay. All right. Okay. Good. All right. I don't got time right. to make, make nothing up. Right. 
<laughs> I want to know about what's really happening, what's really going on. Got you. You know, I often, yeah, I often think about it. Well, mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, I might do something, but I prefer nonfiction. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. All right, another another. Uh, well, this one's uh, music related. So, um, what's the most memorable concert you've uh, you've ever gone to? Most memorable. Can I have do two? Do it. You can have it. Okay, Prince at oh. Rachel City <laughs> and Sylvester. Oh, tons of fun at the Billboard Music Awards. Wow. Oh, wow. Wow, those that are two great picks, yeah. Yeah, uh, my most memorable one is a Prince concert, too. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna I'm throw Rochelle under the bus real quick because <laughs> she, she could have came with me. She could have came with me, but family first, and you know. And to this she, day, I regret, I, yeah, but it's She, it's she okay. loves her family through and through. You know, I'm not mad at that. That's why I married her, but you know, but <laughs> I. I would I would have chose Prince that night though if I were. <laughs> <laughs> I see Adrian. She's like, "Yep." <laughs> love for some Prince. That's right. I'm telling you. Oh my goodness. Okay, and our last one. You know, as a FIT graduate, Pratt graduate, LIU graduate, what's one lesson that has carried carried you through to live wide? The lesson that's carried me through to live wide. I don't I just I don't know if there was a lesson. I just think that's in my spirit. Mm-hmm. It's it's who I am. It's I remember as a child just wanting to know everything, probably too much, but always <laughs> wanting to know everything. Why is this this way? Why are they doing this? Um, you know, just just soaking up information, soaking up information. And and that that led to more wideness. So to speak, and I, I can't think of anything really specific. Mm-hmm. It really is just an interest, an interest in people, an interest in the world around me, an interest in music, an interest in dance, a music, interest in art. It's just being interested. That's it. Yeah. Amazing. Miss Chilani, Governor, thank you. Yeah. Thank seriously. you. This has been so inspiring. As I mentioned before, again, for those of you that are joining us for the first time, you know, um, what we set out to do is to share these stories Mm -hmm. of these folks that are near and dear to our hearts. And we just want to share them with you as well as learn from them as well, you know, and, you know, it's just been so inspiring to see your journey and your path and, you know, and just to encourage others, if you have something or multiple things that you're good at, there's no reason why you shouldn't go out and pursue all of those things. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And I promised you at the top of the show, a little foolishness. Yes. 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 Like a lot of carrying on. Yes. <laughs> I was going to wear this for the interview, but... <laughs> Then, you know, I would have to take it off and I'd have to try to fix my hair. So I'm going to let everybody have it now. Yes. And, you know, I know Labor Day, the carnival was only what? Last week at Labor Day? Hey, you were ready, honey. (laughs) And for those of you that are are listening, she is wearing this elaborate feather headpiece with silver rhinestones or glitter. 
yes and feathers and yes she's living wide ladies and gentlemen yeah. living wide at all times <laughs> love it oh god this is so great i really appreciate the two of you i love the two of you oh, i love you back absolutely that's in the wonderful things you're doing and i'd like to ask all my friends who are tuned in to please follow sub art and music on instagram and um they're doing some fabulous things these two they crazy too <laughs> listen, I, listen i walk in my truth i accept that uh, you know i'll take it you know but i'm 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 gonna add another nickname to your mini aliases. Uh-oh. I'm gonna call you the closer. I'm gonna call yes. you the closer because I can't think of a better guest to oh, to end yeah. this season with. Yeah. Like this was amazing. Like yeah. thoroughly enjoyed the interview. Thank you so much for your time. And it, it was it, it was all. And if I'm not mistaken, it may have been uh, like in terms of our live show, it may have been the most popular show of the season yeah, from all the participators. So yeah. Thank you so to all- shout out to everyone in the yeah. chat as well. Absolutely. You know? Thank you for joining us and yeah. for participating. We appreciate all of y'all. This was yeah. great. Mm-hmm. We appreciate it. And thanks, everyone, for tuning in. Yes. Yeah, thank you. Absolutely. Good night. All right. All right. Good night. All right. All right, folks. So. Everybody, thank thank you so much for tuning in. Clap it up one more time for our amazing guest. Um, oh my God, Queen Queen Jelani, the closer, <laughs> the governor, Governor Noir, Governor Governor Noir. We got to say it that way yes. every time. Thank you so much um, to everyone who's tuned in. You you all have been amazing. Yeah. Uh, we just want to uh, just a quick reminder before we go um, about uh, the event that we mentioned at the top of the show. So once again, uh, we will be at Creative Suitland. Um, that is happening September 24th, which is a Saturday from 2 to 5 p.m. Um, this is happening in Suitland, Maryland, just outside of Washington, D.C. Definitely come through. Um, it's going to be a great event, a great opportunity to network with not just us, but other amazing local artists. And uh, yeah, definitely looking forward to that. For those of you who want to learn more about Miss Jelani, you can follow her um, by following at tell underscore legacy on IG or visit her website, telllegacy.com. So please support everything that she's doing. Um, you know, just one of the many great sources of inspiration that we've been blessed to come in contact with over the years. And uh, we're, we're eternally grateful to her and so many others this has been a great season. Wow. Um, even though it's the season finale, I'm sure we're going to probably do some um, highlights, um, do some highlights mm-hmm. and stuff, uh, put together some shorts of some of the greatest moments um, over the last 10 episodes. Yep, to hold you guys over until season four. Yep, which will um, we'll be back in the spring, right? Mm-hmm. Early spring, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and shout out again to our sponsor, Words, Beats, and Life. We are very grateful. This is the first season that was sponsored. Um, those of you who are watching for the first time, we really appreciate it if you consider um, uh, subscribing to our channel. Um, so you can check out more interviews like this. Some of our past guests have included. We have we've had a lot yeah. of Pratt alum uh, on our show, yeah. um, and we've also had uh, you know we've had a Japanese pop star, <laughs> right? We've had 
um, amazing visual artists, mm-hmm. um, musicians. We've had um, an oral historian. Yeah. Just just really great human beings that are contributing to the culture in so many different ways and, and sharing their journey. And, and you can view all of them, all past episodes on our YouTube channel at you Subart Music, or you can listen mm-hmm. via podcast, wherever you listen to podcasts, whether it's Spotify, Apple Music, or Apple Podcasts, um, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Yep. And so on that note, we're going to get ready to get out of here. Um, but if you haven't already, please consider uh, subscribing to the channel. Um, and for those of you who want to support what we're doing, you can do so by uh, contributing to any of these links here or any of the links that you see in the description of the video or just going to our website, subartmusic.com. As Jelani mentioned, uh, we were talking about the importance of merchandise. <laughs> we have plenty of merch. We got all the merch, all the merch. So you can come and check out our website at some point as well. And on that note, we're going to bid you adieu. Y'all have a great night. Thank you so much for supporting us this season. And until next time, we'll see you soon. We'll talk to you sooner. Peace. Peace. Thanks for listening to Artistry, where art meets industry. Season three of Artistry is sponsored by Words, Beats, and Life. Visit www.wblinc.org to learn more. This podcast is produced by Substantial Art and Music. For more information, please visit www.subartandmusic.com. You can also follow us on social media at Subart and Music. Peace.